welcome to another edition of our Finding Our Way uh, church member podcast here at Southridge. Uh, Jeff here again with uh, a very special guest. Uh, I figured if I was going to start these conversations, I would start right at the top. So I have our board chair, Joan Hyatt, with us. Joan, say hello to everybody. Hi. Um, it's great to have you here. I said in the inaugural podcast that these would quickly get conversational. So I'm glad someone is here in the studio to join me. Uh, at this point, this will be a lot more fun, not just for me, but uh, a lot more fun for their, the, our members who are listening into this. So uh, we're, we're excited about you being here. Uh, to start things off, I know that not everyone in our community knows you uh, at a personal level. So just give us a bit of background uh, on yourself, your family, what you do for a living, that kind of thing, just to acquaint us with who you are. Sure. I'm uh, married to Dick. We've been married for 42 years. I am the owner and therapist at Jericho Counseling Services in St. Catharines. Um, have two sons and their partners, and now a beautiful one-month-old granddaughter. Amazing, amazing. And and you've been around Southridge for how long? And do you want to talk about that initial journey? We've kind of had some laughs about that over the years, too. The, the Southridge story. How did we get here? Um, back in 2002, Dick and I were attending a church that was larger and having some challenges. And one of the things that we decided to do was check out these two young guys who apparently were preaching at a small, in-the-country church. And so we ended up at Fairview Louth to kind of check out you and Mike. And uh, we were really excited because there were grapevines, and it was little, and it was warm and comfortable. And six months later, we moved to Glenridge. <laughs> and we have been here ever since, obviously. Hey, you plugged in right before we were launching our relocation plans. Exactly. And it seemed like that kind of shocked you because you enjoyed the small country church that this was yeah. going to be for you. Yeah. Yeah, not so much. Yeah. Um, a number of years ago, you became an elder. You've been on our board for now nine or ten years. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. ten. Ten years. And uh, can you just tell everyone a little bit about the journey of becoming an elder, what that was like for you? Well, I think that for a lot of people, the, the just knowing how we choose elders is an important piece. And we can talk about that if you'd like. Or I can tell you that um, ten years ago, I was hanging out in a life group that included a elder who was on the board who kind of said to me one day hey have you ever thought about being an elder and I hadn't um, part of my experience in my previous church had been being on the board and I was okay with not being on a board um, but you know he, he encouraged me to consider that I wrote to some friends who were part of this church and not part of this church and said give it some thought give it some prayer and got nothing back except go for it. Um, God wants you where God wants you. Go there. So I did. And what that looks like in terms of process is that you got my nomination, said, hey, Joan, are you interested? I said, yep, okay, I'll, I'll do that. And um, then there was a whole process of interviews that happened. And as it was, Carrie and I came onto the board, Carrie Jones and I came onto the board at the same time. Our first meeting was the day that the board decided to go multi-site. So we, Carrie and I would laugh about that often and say, yeah, we hit the board running, not the ground, the board. Yeah, so you, you joined the church 
thinking it was going to be this small country church. And boom, we relocated and became Southridge. Exactly. And then joined the board thinking we were going to be this one, one church called Southridge yep. uh, in St. Catharines. And boom, we all of a sudden we two. became something else. So you've uh, you've had quite a bit of uh, significant instantaneous impact in our history. And uh, we've had a lot of fun with that, laughing about that over the years. That's a good thing. Hey, uh, one of the things we want to talk about today is this whole idea of the role of eldership. We use this term a lot, the elders of our church. Um, Can you give us a bit of background on what an elder is and what it is that they do? Sure. An elder is an individual who sits in the board and has function to do a governance role and we'll talk I think more about governance but for for um, those people who don't know what elders do we meet on a regular basis both in meetings um, at the church and outside of meetings to do other things we pray we organize um, and and have conversations around oversight rather than managing the church that's that's the role of the staff and in our governance board we do things that include spiritual and theological discussions we talk about um the financial place that we land any of the legal questions become a governance or an elder issue but our role is primarily to we talk about often ear to heaven ear to the ground and hand on your back And what that really means is listening to God for kind of the wisdom and discernment about what it is he wants for Southridge, listening to the people who attend Southridge and outside of Southridge. Because we, when we're talking about ear to the ground, we're talking about how's the community seeing us and perceiving us. And then the reference to hand on your back is really about supporting the staff. And we have a lot of great staff here and you, you manage a leadership team that manages a really great staff. And our role is primarily to support you and hold you accountable. In in uh, supervising that, that staff group, for sure. Uh, I think, just to summarize from, from my vantage point, Joan, you know, there's a there's an in-meeting component Absolutely. of what the elders do. We yep. meet regularly We meet once month. a month. Uh, and then, like you said, we had supplementary meetings beyond that. And then there's an out-of-meeting, almost a, like a secondary a secondary pastoral support where you're a presence on Sunday mornings and you're involved in crisis sure. management and things like that. Sure. And uh, when people ask me what the elders do, that's you know my initial breakdown is, well, they, they meet a lot and then they do some stuff outside of meetings. And that's, that's kind of representative of everything you're talking about in governance. Now, you're using that word very deliberately. We've had lots of training on this over the years. Um, talk a little bit about what you understand governance to be and what it differentiates from. Governance is about oversight. So we talk about having a staff-directed, elder-supported role where we, um, how do I explain that best? Where we are the people who will protect what's going on rather than decide what's going on the management piece of what actually happens in the day-to-day of the church or even in the envisioning is is yours and the staff's and the looking over it and overseeing would be a term that we use a lot um is is our role yeah and i think this is an important piece for 
uh, us as a membership to, to really understand here, because even our church, let alone if people have come from other church backgrounds, uh, our church has been governed through different models over mm-hmm. the years. We were congregationally mm-hmm. governed back in the day, where right. as a membership, we pretty much made decisions uh, about every, anything and everything. And uh, that's changed not only because of some some theological influences, but also it's changed just because of the scale and the scope of our ministry. Absolutely. It's it's too expansive and too fast moving and, and at this point too complicated to be convening everyone for, you know, whether light bulbs need to be replaced uh, kind of kind of decisions. And so, you know, these days the the operation and, you know, all of the strategic work around the growth and development of the ministry uh, that is Southridge, that's really the purview of the ministry teams that are part of the departments that make up the core of our staff. Right. And, and all the ministries that they represent. And under all of that is what we would call the operations of the Ministry of Southridge Community Church. What you guys do is you play the who protects this, who keeps this accountable, who oversees this role, where essentially you guys don't, in that sense, quote unquote, do anything. No. But let's not tell anybody that. Okay. I mean, you do lots of things yeah. in the governance function, but you don't do anything in the operational function. Absolutely. All of you, I think this is important for members to appreciate too. All of you are also members of the church. All of you are participants in the lifestyle of full devotion. All of you, in that sense, I suppose, quote unquote, volunteer mm-hmm. in different ways, whether yep. you lead small groups or you know serve in anchor causes, those kinds of things. You're all active participants in the church in that sense, but those are different hats than the governance hat that convenes to oversee the operation that is led by our senior leadership team and the, the, the departments that they that they represent. That's the differentiation between management and oversight or what we call operations and, and governance. Governance. Now you dipped your toe into the, the discussion already about how governance works or what the most critical kind of tasks or questions are. Uh, I know that we've often used the metaphor of the guardrails. Mm-hmm. That that elders in playing that governance role set up the guardrails in which we then uh, go and operate. So talk about some of the guardrails that that uh, you guys establish as a team. Well, we certainly have lots of of conversation around budget and finance and that that layer, um, so that we know that staff are being paid well and being paid equitably, and that um, our expenses are wise. Um, yeah, overall financial stewardship is definitely a guardrail it's, you guys it's a set. Big, a big piece of that. Um, yeah. Theological discussions would be another piece of that. And you and I yeah, will huge one. be having a conversation at some point around some of that, um, hopefully maybe in this podcast, maybe in another, around things like baptism or discussions um, around church membership, that kind of, of discussion. So that's the theological piece. Um, if there's a concern around staff behavior that's significant, um, we're involved in that. Um, certainly that, again, that's the fine line that you're talking about where, you know, we would expect supervisors and leadership team to take a role in that. But if it's something that is going to be critical to the church or the church's reputation, we're going to know about it. Yeah, those are those are some great I think practical examples for all of us as members to appreciate that, you know, from a theological perspective, 
you guys are the guardrails. From yep. a financial perspective, you guys serve as the guardrails. From a relational perspective, you guys serve as the guardrails. Mm-hmm. Um, one that I've noticed is pace of ministry, like rate of change, the degree that we attack right. stuff versus say, hey, maybe that maybe we shouldn't do that yet. Slow that down yeah, a bit. That's the kind of discernment where, again, uh, you guys as a team serve as the guardrails. And some of that guardrailing is uh, reactive when <laughs> you notice that the car has hit the guardrails yeah. and uh, all of a sudden a conversation ensues. But a lot of it is proactive to just kind of set the parameters in which in which we as, a, as an operational leadership can then can then work and, sure. and we go from there. Um, one uh, personal question that I'll ask since people ask me this question, I'm sure they ask you. Uh, you talked about sort of the, the, the one role of elders relating to our ministry through its leadership and particularly through me as the point person. Um, point of clarity, I'm not an elder. That's true. So uh, if people are wondering, uh, I attend the meetings as an ex officio board member, but I, I don't have a, a vote. So when the elders decide things... It's it's more of a they decided rather than a we decided. Absolutely. Can you can you talk about the independence of the board, the independence of the elders to play that role apart from and even over people and and leaders like me? Some people, you know, they 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 see some of us in a lot more frequent and prominent leadership roles, and they they assume that all oh, those are the people who lead the church. And, you know, even though this role is far less visible, uh, from my perspective, it's quite significant. But a lot of people, because they don't get an inside look at how that works, they they almost can't believe it because they can't see it. Mm -hmm. So can you talk a little bit about how you guys play that role and maybe even specifically how you play that role as my boss? You guys collectively are, are my supervisor. So talk about how you exercise that governance and pri- providing some guardrails as the supervisor or as the, the boss of me. For sure. Um, the, you know, there'd be a couple of things that I would want to, you know, just add to your comment about you're not being an elder. That is absolutely so. But the other thing that I would want to say is at an HR level, when it comes to hiring staff or and having staff um, firing, if you will, um, the only person that elders would hire or fire is you. And that makes us your immediate supervisor. And so things like, um, it's interesting to have conversations with people and say, we were looking at Jeff's work plan because people don't actually know that you, I, I assume they know you have a work plan, but they don't know that you're accountable to somebody else for it. They might have no clue I have a work plan. I talk to people who say, oh, you work half an hour a week, if that's. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, you do more than preach a sermon occasionally, right? Um, anyway, we we would do a number of things. We, uh, on a regular basis, kind of on, in a natural rhythm, we would have a look at your work plan that you provide for us. And all of us, the seven of us, would sit down and look at your work plan and independent of one another, we would set priorities around that work plan in the way that we would like to see it get priority. Um, Once that's done, then it comes back to you with some clarity, hopefully, about where we'd like you to put your efforts um, and then at the end of the year, and in this case, it happens for us in June as a rhythm, um, 
we sit down with you and do an evaluation um, based on your feedback and your update for us and our willingness to kind of say, okay, but this is what was important to us. So there is a very clear work plan and evaluation that happens. Um, the other thing that happens, maybe not so um, normally rhythmic, would be the, the, Jeff, how are you doing? What's going on? Check in with Becky, see how, you know, your home life is, how are things for you? Um, because being part of the, of your boss is caring about how you're doing, how your family's mm-hmm, doing, mm-hmm. how that's going. Yeah, just to comment on the on the work side for, for a second. First, I, I hope that our members can appreciate those, uh, what I believe are, are quite comprehensive roles that, that the board plays, both in the fall when the work plans launch and then in the spring when they get evaluated. Uh, and we do this throughout our organization with all of our employees, but you guys conduct this process specifically with me where, yep. you know, uh, along with our leadership team, I'll develop a work plan, which is essentially how, how I'm going to contribute to moving the church forward for the year. And that represents my sense of what's important and, and personal priorities that I would want to uh, attend to. But then, like you said, individually, you guys rank those items in a way that produces collective scoring or collective mm-hmm. kind of ratings of these d- different items. So from the perspective of setting priorities, you guys are the ultimate priority setters. Yep. And yep. I have the freedom to ignore that ranking if yep. I want, but and I ignore it. we have the freedom to evaluate yeah, that. I, I ignore that to my peril. Yep. And uh, I get to know what's important to our board and what they sense from God ought to be the highest priorities for me and our leadership to focus on. Uh, this year as a church. And then with that ranking system in place, 10 or so months later, when we do the evaluation in June, you guys do a raw ranking of every one of the results or deliverables that were achieved or not achieved. And then you weigh that score. This is kind of a mathematical process, but it, it's quite it's it's quite clarifying. I'll tell you that having done it for a few years. It, it then weights those rankings according to the prioritization of the rankings that you'd placed that produces more of kind of an overall score, an overall grade for how I'm how I'm doing. And uh, I, I, I hope that that gives us a, a sense of at least one example of where the board plays a very intensive practical role for both the priority setting of direction and the holding accountable of the deliverables yep. towards that direction uh, in a way that is quite hands-on. So the, the, my point in all of that, I guess, is that elders playing this oversight role while they are above the hands-on work of operations in our ministry, it's not a hands-off kind of a function. There's a different hands-on function that you play in the role of governance. There's a line that's drawn between, uh, as you described earlier, the operations and the governance. We are very hands-on yeah. in the governance role. Yeah. Another another accountability I think is important that you've uh, really tried to champion in our team and build into the monthly rhythm is what you call the ear-to-the-ground report. Talk about that for a minute. Right. Ear to the ground is really about realizing that if the elders have a boss, it is the people who attend our church. We are the group of people who have been given the responsibility by that body of folks. And so we need to hear what's going on in their world. And frankly, if all we did was count on the month-to-month meetings, we would only have your perspective. And while we're not distrusting your perspective, we really do want to have a broader, more, um, yeah, a broader sense of that. 
And so um, part of what it is, is is to go out there and kind of get a sense from the people who attend the church, how they're feeling about the direction, about who's who's um, doing what, when, uh, they're just things like kids and kids ministry and riot and those kinds of informational things, which we get from you, but which we also want to hear from parents or from other people who attend the church. Yeah, I, I think this has become a very important uh, function of accountability for me, uh, and I think very helpful for the board as the board engages out of meeting in just what we simply call talk in church uh, kind of conversations with different people from across our locations and in a variety of ministries to find out what the what the temperature uh, of their church experience is. Yeah. You know, good, bad, or ugly. Uh, a former elder of ours, uh, Greg Reimer, used to call sniff it the, test. the sniff test. Absolutely. <laughs> and uh, that that's really what, what elders, you know, not just on Sundays, but... Uh, throughout the week are, are doing as they connect with you, the members, is to get a bit of a, a pulse of what's actually going on there so that the narrative and the, the version of reality that they have about what's really going on in our church is not exclusive to the reporting that I'm providing. Yeah. So that the, the version of reality of the church isn't restricted to the one narrative that they receive through me. And in fact, it's a check and balance of the narrative that I provide. Absolutely. So I can... I can say family ministry is going great and Keith's doing a fabulous job in student ministry and someone can bring a report back from a parent, you know, at one of our locations whose student is really finding it hard to connect in a student ministry, which doesn't necessarily mean that Keith's doing a terrible job, but it's just, it's a check and balance over the reporting that I'm providing about whether or not yeah. Keith and, in fact and, is. Sorry to pick on you, Keith. <laughs> and the thing that I would want to add to that, Jeff, is that I would want the people who are listening to this to know that we love to talk church. We, as an elder group, try and be at church ahead of time. We don't mind staying afterwards. We get um, occasional calls to have coffee, and we're in, um, because that's a conversation that we want to have. We want to talk church. We really want to talk governance. We don't want to talk operations and probably will be annoying to some people who want to talk operations because we're going to send them back to you and your staff. Yeah. And so that gets to be a, a bit of a weird conversation where on the one hand, it is hyper important for us as members to engage with our elders in conversations about how we're feeling about church. And yet so often I see members approach you guys and then get redirected to the right person to talk to. And uh, I hope that as members, we're, we're clearer on that now, understanding yeah. the the layer of our church's health and future that elders would, would be the most appropriate people to talk to uh, versus the different layers of our ministry where there would be ministry leaders or staff that would be more appropriate to talk to. Yeah, because part of that challenge becomes the perception that if I go to Joan to talk about something and she sends me off to a staff person that she really doesn't have any authority. And I don't in the operational world, and and I don't want to. I that's not my role, but at a governance level, I do, and I'm I'm in. Yeah. Now, last question on this. I don't want to belabor this point, but I I know so many people ask it, and if they don't ask it out loud, they wonder it in their gut. Do you guys actually hold senior leaders like me or Michael or you know some of the the other just fantastic people I get to work with? Do you ever hold us personally accountable to things? Do we ever get in trouble? Yes. <laughs> 
And that would be that would be as simple as you know, it is. You were supposed to take a deep breath and pause and reflect on whether there was a time over the last ten years that <laughs> yeah okay. you answered that pretty quickly. All right. Well, the truth of the matter is that that trouble is is a, is an interesting term, but I think there have been times when um, we've received you know concerns from somebody and we've come back to you and said hey Jeff talk to us about or we need to mo- do we need to understand this um there have been times when i personally have been a part of a meeting with you and someone else to mediate and discuss um something that was either hurtful or um, misinformed so that it can get cleaned up um kind of in a Matthew 18 way one of the things that elders do is to become that witness or that, you know, when when it needs to get cleaned up and it can't be yeah, done one-on-one. The, on one. the mediator yep. of, of conflict resolution. That's a huge one for sure. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, have you guys ever gotten into trouble? Yeah. yeah I, I think uh, for our members to appreciate that there are Tuesday meetings where, you know, what got taught on Sunday actually gets questioned. Right. It actually gets reviewed and maybe something was out of bounds or a a program initiative that we launched didn't work so well and it gets debriefed and it gets evaluated. And I I think it's it's one of the it's one of the most important one of the most important components of trust that people need to have in you guys and gals that you have that capacity. And yet because it's so private, it it. It, it kind of gets publicly advertised and so unproven in that sense that it's sometimes hard to trust. So yeah. we're trusting you now that you were able to so instantaneously yeah. I didn't take a question. big breath. <laughs> that uh, there, are, there are things worth correcting, criticizing, or resolving in our ministry really all the time. Constantly, and, that, uh, and they're important. Yeah, that, that, uh, that you're involved in holding me and, and us as a group accountable. Yeah. I want to shift gears a little bit because this is only the second one of these uh, member podcasts that we're trying to make available where we're we're trying to allow our members into what I've called kind of the, the, the campfire type conversations that some of us get to have all the time that not everyone gets to have very often sure. because they find themselves in other kind of relational and ministry circles. And the, the one that I want to tap into uh, involves the little dial tweak that we've made uh, regarding our membership process this year. We communicated earlier on this month that in the membership renewal of this month, we've tweaked the dials a little bit and we've kind of widened the bandwidth for who can become a member uh, here at Southridge right. or who can affirm their local church membership here at Southridge. So uh, can you just start off by uh, you know, making a comment or two about why you believe uh, local church membership here at Southridge matters? Why is it important? I think that... Local church membership is, first of all, biblical. I think that God would want us to be engaged in community. There's so many times in Scripture where you see one another that you can't argue that that there's a value to being a group and being together. And so Sunday worship, um, the times when we're working with our, our anchor causes, those moments when we're in life group, being a part of the church is really, really important. And so to remind people that they matter, to remind people that this is, is a come on and be a part of, get your hands in the huddle, be it, join us as we do what God would have us do, 
both here at the church and in the community, is is just a really good thing to do on a regular basis. Yeah. Now, we've said uh, a number of times publicly, and certainly we process this privately, that local church membership isn't necessarily a directly biblical thing. That when it talks about membership in the Bible, it talks about it exclusively in spiritual terms, being a member of the family of God, being a member right. of the body of Christ. So right. to be clear in catching the spirit of what Joan's describing, uh, the language we use around here is that local church membership is simply our way of facilitating the expression or the application of the spiritual value of biblical membership or the biblical value of spiritual membership, sorry, uh, in this context here at Southridge. So it's just kind of applying God's heart for all of those one another's and and uh, community that you're that you're talking about, which alluding to something that you were you were referring to earlier, that's why we actually do the annual renewal. Exactly. People wonder, why do I have to annually renew my membership if I don't annually renew my faith in Jesus in that sense? Once I become a follower of Jesus, I become a part of uh, his family and a part of his body, you know, for all eternity. So What's with the annual renewing component? Talk about that a bit. Well, it's it's a way of, of again, just saying very clearly, I'm in. I'm a part of Southridge. And, and we're not asking you to renew your faith. We're asking we, you to renew your um, involvement in this particular church. Yeah, knowing that even in your own story, you described, and, and my family years ago, we, we came to this church from a different church. Yes. Uh, we, we believe that the family of God is way larger than our local church, that the way God expands his kingdom uh, through the church is far more universal and global in that sense than uh, just our local church. And frankly, even across Niagara, we affirm that God's doing amazing things in many other local churches. But God is doing some uniquely amazing things in our context, and those unique things uh, aren't for everybody and kind of require a unique uh, passion and agreement and kind of commitment that we can affirm in an annual way. And a decision to jump in and be a part of. It's, it's a way of not just showing up, but showing up and getting involved. Yeah, which is inherent to the, the criteria that we have for membership. Again, just applying that family member value and body part member value exactly. in practical ways. It's it's way beyond just an attender or a yes. spectator, right? It's an active participatory spirit behind it. Now, uh, talk then, Joan, about the, the one dial that we tweaked this year uh, that formerly had as a, a criteria, not just that you were a person of faith, but that you had specifically express that faith through baptism as a believer. We broaden that to a, a, a broader vision of just you know, people who have placed their faith in Jesus Christ and are seeking to live that out. What, why, why did we tweak the dial on specifically that believer's baptism criteria? For a couple of years, Jeff, we've been talking about something in our church called Love Beyond Belief, which is about including and an understanding that we can share different experiences and still be very loving and supportive of one another. And we recognized that there are a number of people coming to Southridge who have come from very different backgrounds. And, you know, if, if we're asking the question to be a member, you have to believe in Jesus. You have to have your hands in the huddle at Southridge. And you have to have a way 
of having publicly stated that for a lot of people that would have come through um, an affirmation or a, some level of public display that didn't include adult baptism. And we've got people who have had their hands in a huddle for a long time and aren't members because they haven't followed through that route. And to exclude them felt like it didn't have the same kind of love beyond belief values that we want to have. Yeah, which is an important value for, I think, us as, as members, even when we're understanding it personally and communicating to other people to, to understand. Because for so long, our church has tracked on that trajectory where this is what you have to do to become a member here, appreciating that, you know, smarter, godlier people may have landed in different theological places out there. But for here, this is where you have to land, believing that if we're going to believe something, we've got to uphold it with integrity, mm -hmm. was, was kind of the spirit of it. Mm -hmm. And the more, I would say, the more the, the biblical value of love beyond belief, which to get technical, is, is simply the theological prioritizing of the primacy of the law of love above more incidental, non-salvation, theological distinctives or interpretations, the more you can live with that theological grounding and that grid, the more those kinds of decisions to have to uphold, you know, one specific way um, become exclusive. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the more you're living out the theological rightness of the prioritization that is love beyond belief, the more you're trying to become a church that can accommodate the smarter, godlier people on all sides or on both sides of a theologically interpretive issue that isn't of a core salvation nature, and the more unifying and inclusive that we can be. And so from a theological perspective, I think that that's where it comes from. From a practical perspective, it just sucks telling people, like you said, who you know, sort of check off all the boxes. They're, they're living out the spirit of biblical membership here at Southridge, but because, you know, their parents expressed their commitment when they were a kid through baptism instead of a parent dedication. And then when they were a teenager or a young adult, or even as a developing adult, they personally expressed their faith, not through baptism like we practice, but through profession of faith Right. to be exclusive and say, no, you, you can't, you it's, can't be a member here. That was hard for us. And, and it feels like a not good enough. And we aren't a church that does not good enough. Uh, question then, uh, just practically, because I know some of us appreciate that our church is not just governed by elders, but we're also a part of a larger body of believers, uh, a denomination, the Ontario the branch of the Canadian Conference of Mennonite Brethren Churches. Uh, can you comment on the discussions that we've had with our denomination about this, just so people appreciate that we're not tweaking these dials sure. Uh, sure. No, totally on an island? We have we have certainly had conversations with um, the Ontario Board, and specifically with Ed Wilms, who lots of us know and who attends Glenridge. Um, and we've had um, the opportunity and been invited to go into further discussions later this year with the National Board to talk more about that. Um, so it's not something that we imagine that we do without having conversation. Um, and I guess that, that, you know, those kinds of conversations are important to us because we do recognize that we are a part of a bigger system. 
and we're looking forward to having that discussion further down the road. Yeah, it was pretty cool. We started to meet with Ed and realized that in 2019, uh, the national faith life team, kind of the theological uh, determiners of our, our denomination in Canada, uh, they've committed to doing one article review per year. And the article that they're they're already kind of committed to reviewing in 2019 is the article on baptism and membership. Yep. And so the dial tweak of ours this year, which is about the third or fourth dial tweak we've had over the years. I mean, there was back in the day we separated believers' baptism from membership as two distinct processes. Then we instituted the covenantal form of membership. Those of us who've been around for a while know the 20-whatever-pager in the interview process we used to have. And then we instituted the annually renewable version of membership. Again, a dial tweak. This is now the fourth or fifth or whatever dial tweak that we've had over the years. It's cool though that we can have this one now kind of in tandem with, with conversing with others uh, around the province and around the country about that. So yeah. that's pretty one cool. Of the, one of the things, Jeff, that I would want to add to that for people who um, feel... Uh, a real connect to adult baptism and whose history and story has included adult baptism is that the board isn't in any ways discouraging people from being baptized. That's not the point of this. Absolutely. Good point. The point of this is to say you can be a member assuming three things, assuming that you are a believer and a follower of Jesus Christ, that you have your hands in the huddle and believe in what Southridge is up to, and that you have in some way displayed a commitment to that um, followership. Yeah, that you're involved in, in some way. And so, yep. yeah, that's an important piece. We're an Anabaptist church. We're a part of an Anabaptist denomination. We're not in any way about to teach or modify our practice of, of baptism, no. nor the value of baptism. No. And I, 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 that's not great clarification. Uh, so I guess just a final comment on that, Joan. For our members, what message would you like them to share with people in their ministry circles and their life groups and their families about this little dial tweak that maybe they didn't even pay attention to until we started talking about it? Well, I, I think that what it does, or, or my prayer of what it does, is that it opens the door for people who in the past may not have felt like they were allowed to be members, um, that they can join in in a more fully rounded way, and that that, that will be um, important. So if that's you and you've been, you know, been able to check off all the boxes except the adult baptism one, um, and feel like you want to become a member, I'd invite you to do that. If you're looking at people in your life group and you know that's their story, um, share that information. Um, and I guess that down the road, it's it's a piece of understanding that this is a this is a governance discussion. This is a governance tool. And so if people have concerns or want to talk more about that, this is the talk in church that elders want to do. Yeah, when we talked about the podcast being uh, two-way and fostering dialogue, uh, I hope that you feel the, the liberty to respond to Joan and uh, to check in with her and follow up or Please do. Uh, to, to book some conversation with any uh, of our other elders that you might be aware of. And uh, we're doing uh, some work to make them more visible and, and uh, prominent in our community as it is. So uh, we really appreciate you describing that, Joan. My hope in the... The tweak of the dials is that people realize that we're serious about love beyond belief Absolutely. and are looking for ways to say, how can we take things that have formerly polarized us and created exclusivities and 
view them under this primary theological law of love over and above other more ancillary non-salvation theological issues and right-size our practices and our policies and how we do church uh, according to that. So uh, this is a great example of that and I'm excited for people to kind of build that psyche and spiritual musculature more through that. Uh, final wrap-up question then, Joan. Um, we talked a little bit about membership. Before that, we talked about eldership. Any final encouragements to our members as they hear this to engage to a greater degree, either just in the life of our church in general or specifically in partnership with you guys and gals as elders? Well, I guess I would want people to um, hear your words about um, connecting with us and chatting with us. That would be one thing. The other is that um, for those of you who um, are members and, and get emails from the church, you would have gotten an email from me earlier this fall speaking to the fact that one of our elders, Rocco Maiola, is going to be stepping off the board this spring. And we are going to be, um, as of February and the AGM, we are going to be looking for um, someone to step into that role. And so if that's you and you feel like God is calling you to a place of governance, then um, I would want to hear from you and encourage you to um, speak to any elder about that. If you know someone and, and you can see that skill and that gifting in them, that you would speak encouraging words to them. But we um, have an important role to play, and we are going to need to add to our, our body. Amazing. That's a good challenge. And uh, Joan, thanks so much for being here today. Uh, knowing the vision behind this podcast is to include people in the, the campfire that some of us get to have talking in church a lot that others, you know, maybe don't get the, the chance to be part of as often. Uh, I'm pretty confident that this won't be the last time that you uh, sit down with me and uh, just appreciate the chance to, to sit down with you today. So I hope you've all been challenged and engaged. Thanks for joining us and uh, we'll see you again next week, Finding Our Way. Take care.